0: Marriage, no matter where your marriage is right now, it can be full of hope, grace, change, and love. Listen in as we present Pursue Marriage Weekender 2023, a series of sessions and sermons where the Bible is celebrated, marriages are nurtured, and lives are transformed. You may be seated. Would you take your Bibles this morning, find two passages of Scripture, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13 in your Bible and the Song of Solomon chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 13 and the Song of Solomon chapter 4. Last night, we talked about the origin of sex, and we talked about it from a biblical perspective out of Genesis chapter 2. Today, we're going to continue our study on Christian sexuality or enjoying the grace that God has rewarded married couples with. And it's vitally important for us to understand what God has intended. He was the originator, the author, we might even say it this way, the inventor of sex we, we could be, we'd be theologically accurate to say it this way sex originated in the heart and mind of God as a gift to the people of God sex originated in the heart and some of you right now are going oh I don't think you should have said it well who else did it originate with because it's pre-fall it was God up in heaven going oh I forgot about that one Well, we understand biblical sovereignty, so no, God wasn't up in heaven uh, doing that. Sex originated in the heart and mind of God as a gift to the people of God. A gift to you. I'm not going to ask you to say it because you might feel weird saying it, but I I, I think you should say this in your heart. God made sex a gift for me. If you're single, don't say that because it's a lie. He didn't intend that for you yet. It's not your gift. I'm glad that you're in here. We used to not let singles in here, and I really thought deeply about for this topic. Um, but I really thought deeply about it, and with the amount of sexual perversion that's in the world, we don't have a problem now with you being in the room. Because I guarantee you nothing that I say will, will come close to what's being said in mass media. But God originated this, I want to be clear, God originated this in his heart and mind as a gift to every married couple in the room. And it's important for us to apply the word of God, who is the author of the word and the creator of sex and marriage, and that we would apply the word of God to our own life. So I want to start this morning with my first point, what is the purpose of sex? What's the purpose of it? Why did God create it? If we ask the average person, probably even the average person in the room, I've done this before, I didn't do this today, but I've taken a survey and the average person, even the average Christian says something like this, the purpose of sex is procreation to um, have offspring. Or they'll say this, the purpose of sex is recreation to have fun. Procreation or recreation? Recreation. And so that's why people can go, well, we don't want kids and we're good having, you know, we, we can eat chocolate and popcorn on the couch watching Andy Griffith and we have fun. So what do we need sex? And we don't want any more kids. The Lord knows 17's enough. <laughs> but the purpose of sex is neither procreation nor recreation. The purpose of sex is unification. Tim Allen Gardner in his awesome book, Sacred Sex, I hope we sold out in our bookstore last night. We had a lot of copies, but I hope you got it. It said this, God designed marital sex to be an encounter with the divine. Sexual intimacy with all its overwhelming emotions and heart-pounding sensations was never intended to be experienced solely in the emotional and physical realms. Rather, it is to be spiritual, even a mystical experience in which two bodies become one. And I don't just mean unification when I say sex is for unification, not simply procreation or recreation. I don't just mean unification as an inherent physical oneness, but a relational unity that is celebrated, that is created and recreated daily throughout a married couple's life. Unification is the celebration, one author said, of a soul-deep bond that is present when a couple knows and experiences the certainty that they are together permanently for a divine purpose. They are together permanently. Whenever you make orgasm the goal of sex, You miss the purpose of God's design. In other words, the big O of sex is not orgasm, it's oneness. The big O of sex is not orgasm, it's oneness. Baby, I love you. I want to be connected to you. And there's no way in this world I can be more connected to you than through the gateway of God's creation, sex. Sex. The purpose of sex is to bring you together on a regular basis. Regular. The word regular means often. Regular. Well, the question is always, Pastor, how often? As though I have to prescribe that take out my little prescription pad and write, what answer would be good for you? See, because here's what we could have. We could have a, we talked last night about high drive, low drive spouses. You could have a high drive spouse who's like, I want sex three times a week. I personally think that's a little low by about four times, maybe 14 times. I don't know. (sighs) But you can have a, the high-drive spouse say, I want sex three times a week, and the low-drive spouse says, I want sex once a week. Okay, well, then there can be frustration. Like, I'm interested in sex only once a week, I'm interested in sex three times a week. There can often be some frustration in there. And then, and then you can take another married couple, and they can say, hey, I'm the high-drive spouse, I want sex once a week, and they want sex once a year. Or... You could be the hydra spouse, I want sex once a year, but they want sex once a decade. Or you could be the hydra spouse, I want sex once a decade, we adopt children and have sex every time Halley's Comet appears. (laughs) If we're not careful, we begin to eisegete or infuse our own ideas into the scripture, ignoring what God has for us. Now, again, I want to be sensitive this morning to people who have medical needs. I, I'm sure there'll be questions in the Q&A about this, uh, about people who have medical needs and medical struggles. So if we could, for a moment, just deal with a level playing field, okay? Because I can't, I can't deal with every exception in a message. That would be extremely difficult for anyone to be able to do. So let's just assume everybody is in perfect health and, and doing well, all right? Everybody's just doing good. So, so, I mean, if you want to talk about that after service, again, I'm here for that. My wife's here. The Durells are here for that. We we want to help any way that we possibly can. But let's just assume for a moment that we're all healthy and good. And that's the the normative approach that we're going to take in preaching. As a general rule, every preacher's going to do that. And so that's, that's what we're going to assume. So the question is, how long often do we participate in this act of sex that brings oneness? Well, we could debate that, but I would rather just let this word of God be the word of God. I mean, we just read about it or sang about it, did we not? I mean, let's, let's let God's word be God's word and let's determine from God's word uh, if there is a frequency monitor in the scripture or standard in the scripture whereby we should strive. Because here's what some of you are saying. Well, as long as my spouse isn't begging for it, I feel okay. Or when, I had a guy tell me one time after preaching on it because he didn't listen to the message he's a moron in a divorce today. You say, would he have been divorced if you listened to you? Probably not, because I'm speaking the truth. But he said, he said, my wife gives it to me whenever I want. Well, that, that, your wife's not the standard, and neither are you. I would submit to you, submit to you that the standard is the designer. The designer is the divine. The divine is the creator of the universe who is the Lord. So take your Bibles. I know I've asked you to find two places. We're going to look at both those in just a minute when we get to the real, real fun part, in my opinion. Um, but I want you to see First Corinthians chapter seven. Turn there real quick. First Corinthians chapter seven. First Corinthians chapter seven. Now, the first part of First Corinthians chapter seven is what we preach to teenagers. Now, concerning the things wherever you wrote unto me, is good for a man not to touch a woman. That's great, and it's true. And By the way, you ought to teach your teenagers that they don't touch each other until they get married. You say, well, I think that's draconian. It totally is. Yeah, safety methods are often draconian, yes. Yeah, I went ziplining with my wife one time, and they put like three harnesses on me because I was over the weight limit. I'll never do that again. It was draconian. If you go to a men's retreat or ladies' retreat with us, you see the high wire stuff at Ironwood. If you don't like draconian stuff, climb up on the the walk of life or whatever it is without a harness on. I'll watch you fall. It'll be fun. I think it's draconian. It's right, it is. Yeah, God said don't do it, don't do it. Verse number two, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, not let every man jack off to porn. I know that's the first time somebody ever heard it in church, but we're going to be clear. We believe in clarity. Not trying to be rude. Let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Don't let her masturbate to romance novels or porn. Verse number three. Now, this is where we're getting to the nitty-gritty. I just had to set the stage for you. Because everything I say from that point on will be less amazing. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. Likewise also the wife unto the husband. That just means you are, are blessed of God with the requirement of meeting your spouse's sexual needs in marriage. Let me say it again. You are blessed of God with the requirement of meeting your spouse's sexual needs in marriage. I'm required? Yeah, it's a blessing. Let the husband render or allow, the word let just means to allow, allow the husband to give, I'll I'll, I'll give you the Chadwick Street version, to give to his wife what she needs. Men, your primary responsibility in the sexual oneness category is you making sure she's satisfied. It's not wham, bam, thank you, honey, I'm out. I got what I need and I'm gone. No, do benevolence. I'm satisfying her needs first. Well, what about me? Yeah, you're not your concern. You all right with that? You're not your concern. Well, whose concern am I? See, if you ask that question, you're still your own concern, but you're not your concern. So you're asking the wrong stinking question. Well, I've got needs, well, you think God in heaven doesn't understand that? He created you. Okay, well, just me, little me. I'll take care of your needs, sweetie pie. Whatever you need, I'll just take care of you. I'm here to serve you. Just, just call me your sex servant, baby. I got what you need any old time. Here I am just sitting in the rocking chair with some bunions and an orange soda. Let me just brush it off. Here I come. Big baby, she ain't giving me what I want, so just I'm gonna grab my. If if you're here from the south, sorry, all of my mockery accents are from the south. I grew up in Texas. (laughs) She ain't giving me what I want, so I'm just gonna watch Christian porn. The actor's name is Jesus. I'm gonna call him Jesus. We're good. You say no? That's the stuff we hear in the in the in the counseling rooms. Let the husband render the wife due benevolence. Look at verse number three. Also, uh, if I can get there, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. So baby, I'm gonna take care of you and lady, you're gonna take care of him. See lady, your responsibility is not you. Your responsibility is him. Matter of fact, some of you are shocked right now. So do me a favor if you're married, grab the person's hand next to you if it's your spouse. I see some of the single people going, I'm between, okay, dude, I guess, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) This is awkward. (laughs) Only if you're married to him. Here's what he says in verse number four. The wife doesn't have power. The wife hath not power over her own body. Ladies, you don't have the power or the, uh, the word power means authority or control. You don't have the power or the authority over your body and your husband doesn't have the power and authority over his body. No, the husband has power over the wife and the wife has power over the husband. I would submit this to you. It's a sin for you to not meet the needs, the sexual needs and desires of oneness for your spouse and for them not to meet yours. This is kind of a mystical thing because you say, Pastor, um, she wants sex and I'm really tired. What do I do? Is in a general rule you die to self? Now there's medical needs and problems and all that. And, and again, we get that, but we're dealing with the normative approach here. You don't have power over your own body. And this does not mean, let's move from the theoretical to the practical. This doesn't mean that just anytime you want it, you could just go, hey, I know that you're in the middle of changing the kid's diaper. Leave him there. I have power over your body. Come, satisfy me. You have to be clear, and the reason that we give so many exceptions is because people are like, I read this in the Bible, and it says, I have power over her, therefore. You walk around like with a club, and, and like you tried to grow chest here, but all you came out was with a sharpie. And <laughs> try to prove, like, I, I am the man. If you have to say you're the man on a really, like, regular basis, like, biannually, you're not the man. You're just trying to conjure it up. I'm getting somewhere. We're not there yet. Verse number five, defraud ye not the one, the other, except it be with consent for time that ye may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. The word defraud means to withhold yourself from one another, to say no to sex. That's the context. To have a headache for... The fourth, and sometimes those things happen. I'm not being dismissive of that at all, but he's saying defraud you not. In other words, you have the power, the ability to do this, but you're not going to do that. Defraud you not one, the other. Don't withhold yourself from each other, except it be with consent for a time. That means you've had a conversation about it. Like, hey, I know, I know that we normally have sex, but for a time, let's not. Well, why should we not? Well, let's see what the scripture says. defraud you not the one, the other, except it be with consent or agreement, that you might give yourself, or you may give yourselves to something more important. Well what is it? Fasting and prayer. So I don't think we should have sex for a little while. Oh, OK, why? Well, because I'm going to fast and pray, and I'm looking at this crowd. Okay, you ready? Okay, I think you should fast and pray. How long? Looking at this crowd, 45 minutes. (laughs) Ain't a dude in this room went without food for more than 45 minutes. It's like King of the Cheetos just walked in here. Like I just kept meeting Chester everywhere I went. I'm being funny, silly, but I'm trying to prove this point biblically, that the purpose of withholding yourself from one another is solely for the purpose of fasting and prayer. And then notice what he says in verse number five. And come together again, that means have sex again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. We know incontinency when it comes to adult diapers. (laughs) So we know it. But the word literally means it. It means the same there. I'm not trying to be funny. It just is what it is. It means a lack of strength, a want of power to regulate one's appetite, or intemperance. A lack of strength. Well, we come together again that Satan tempts you Not. Now remember, Paul is talking to people who were walking past prostitutes every single day, who were literally throwing themselves at them in a culture where it was not only accepted, it was completely understood that this is a normal thing. So Satan said, or, 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 or Paul says, God's plan for your sexual fulfillment and protection is to have sex on a regular basis. You say, Pastor, what's regular? Well, it seems from the scripture that the exclusion to regular sex is fasting and prayer. How long do you fast and pray? For some of you, it's like, oh, well, I get that. Yeah, fast, fast and pray. Dude, you had sex one time last year. You, I'm looking at you. You didn't fast for 200 days in a row. You didn't fast for two weeks. We should probably teach on fasting more, but I don't know how many people in the room fasted for two days. And we're not talking about intermittent fasting for some surgery. Or we're not talking about fasting just so that you can... No, this is a spiritual fast for the purpose of prayer, to draw closer to the Lord. And by the way, it's a wonderful thing but when that period is over of fasting, you come together again. And the nature, I don't want to geek out on Greek for a minute, but the nature of the word is an immediate coming together again, like that day. I broke my food fast. I'm breaking my sex fast. You say, Pastor, so what do you think? I'm just going to tell you this. I think by this context of scripture, and, and I, just because I, I can't wait to hear Pastor Troy preach, so I'm just rushing a little bit. But I will tell you this, I believe that sex every day is the expectation. Debbie and I have goals. I'm, I'm kind of a goal setter. I want to deadlift 600 pounds this year. I got a back problem. I should have already been past that, but I want to deadlift 600 pounds. I want to clean from the ground. It's a weight goal. I want to clean from the ground like 375 pounds this year. Uh, I just want to squat clean it. Um, if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. I want to do one pull-up this year. Uh, <laughs> totally kidding. I can do one. Um, Debbie and I have a goal for how much money we want to save this year. Uh, we set goals. Uh, we'll often have, this is often our sex goal, and we, we keep track 400 times a year. You say 400 times a year. Now, we don't have kids at home, so our days off can be more fun than yours. <laughs> Before, you, you say, why 400? Well, he who shoots at nothing is apt to hit it. Well, I think we might have sex if the stars all align. Probably not going to be reality. The purpose of sex is oneness. I am never closer to my wife than when we're having sex. And I don't just mean intercourse. I mean the whole process that it entails. I'm just wanting you to think about it. i got plenty to say. Because there's women in the room that are like, just get it over with. Fine, hurry it up. Come on. Like you're in the process and there's women with the stuff. God, God, like, come on. The microwave's about to go off. (laughs) You've had 27 seconds. Get it over with. Okay, 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 I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. And it's not like the kids are going to come in the room. you just like, it's just how we do. No, no, the purpose of sex is, is oneness. I want that oneness as long as I can have it. Now, my wife, I was going to have her talk about this, but we didn't have time to really go over it because I didn't think about it until Thursday. So I, I was going to have her preach with me. She's a, not really preach. She would just talk. I would do the preaching part, and she would say what I want her to say. No. Um, <laughs> I have power. Um, and her, her life goal is to fight the power. Um, <laughs> We call her Flava Deb. And around home, she walks around with a big clock. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to share all the jokes that are in my head right now because I have to move on. Move on, Chris. When you're a comedian and jokes come, you're supposed to write them down as a pastor. It's a sin. And so you just have to memorize them when they come. (laughs) um but but my wife and she would attest to this she's she's much more like driven to like accomplish things and she's she's got more of a scattered brain she says she multitasks i just say she has a lack of focus but we're we're in counseling for that that's why the durells are here um <laughs> But but we view the and so Debbie can be very much like, hey, let's get this done. Let's get this done quick. Because we've got things to do. We've got dogs to pet and neighbors to talk to, and and we've got other things to do. Like like I'm sure there's something else we could do. And she just always wants to be doing, doing, doing something. And I'm the guy like, hey, let's stay here all day long. She's like, Well, 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 I want to go somewhere. I'm gonna take you somewhere. You said do you really say that? Oh, yes. I'm the whitest berry White you've ever met. <laughs> and the purpose is oneness. I want you to notice the pleasure. I just got to hurry. The pleasure of sex. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number four. I asked you to find that earlier. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number four. Now, I don't know who really wrote the book of Hebrews, but if it wasn't the apostle Paul, you're wrong. I really do think it was Paul. A good argument could be made for other people. They're wrong, but they're good arguments. But I think Paul, but you can think whoever you want. So if I say Paul, I'm not trying to be declarative. I'm just, that is what it is. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, four, marriage is honorable and all. That means everything about marriage is wonderful. It's wonderful. Marriage is wonderful. I'm, I'm going to wait here until we join together. Marriage is wonderful. It's wonderful. Look at your spouse right now and say, I'm glad I married you. Say it with a little more passion. Come on. Glad I married you. Marriage is honorable in all... And notice what the Bible says, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers of people who have sex outside of marriage or violate the marriage covenant, and adulterers God will judge. You haven't had sex outside of marriage, make no mistake, there is a judgment to be had. That's not me being unkind. By the way, if you're viewing porn and you're having sex outside of marriage in your mind, which is Jesus's standard, so it's the Bible standard, it's God's standard, there is a judgment that will be had. Well, when will that judgment be? I don't know, but I don't want to be there when it happens. Don't live for today, live for tomorrow, live for eternity and understand there's a judgment that will be had. But he does say marriage is honorable and all Everything about marriage is great. And the bed undefiled, the bed undefiled means literally the, the and he's talking about the, the sexual bed. With, it's without any defilement. It's pure. It's chaste. Here's how one author defined it or, or one Greek uh, uh, theologian defined it. Sacred. The marriage bed is a beautiful things in the eyes of God. It's undefiled. Yeah, it's amazing. Now turn over to the Song of Solomon. Will I talk about it for a minute? There's nothing impure about the marriage bed. There's nothing unwholesome or unholy about the marriage bed. Everything about it, the passion, the elevated heart rate the sights the sounds the smells beautiful in the eyes of god that's what the author say everything and god helps us to see that through the song of solomon which is the pre-marriage manual, still to this day, of Orthodox Jews. I'm a chaplain with the San Diego Police Department, and it's a very ecumenical thing, meaning we don't have just Baptist or even uh, Orthodox Christian churches that would be there. You would have people from, from different um, faiths, and one of the faiths that we, we have is Judaism. And so I have some rabbi friends that are uh, on the, or acquaintances would be a much better word, allies, whatever, that are on the on the PD chaplaincy, and um, they will say that we Westerners do not understand and don't want to accept the erotic nature of the Song of Solomon. Well, you can't, you can't say, God did. I've taught this across the country. I've had four pastors have heart attacks. Their church is without a pastor today. He just killed over right there. They started giving him chest compressions. Dude died right there, just, just right there. People are like, what happened? He didn't know God intended this for married people. Song of Solomon chapter four is my favorite. Now, I don't have time to go into the whole Song of Solomon. I got like 14 minutes left. Like means nothing. <laughs> but Song of Solomon chapter four is a beautiful picture. In our wedding ceremony, so it's just at a wedding, you have the engage, or you have the the, the ceremony, you have the, the exchanging of the vows, you have them walking down the aisle, and then you have kind of a traditional reception afterwards and people eat cake and stuff like that. And then they leave and they go on their honeymoon. Really good way to do it, because in this culture, it was you had the wedding ceremony, and then you would have the bride and groom leave and they would go to the bride chamber, which was normally attached to the house where the wedding was or the yard where the wedding was. And then the group would go to the wedding feast and they would eat and have a good time. You remember Jesus at the wedding feast of Canaan in the book of John, how they're there like a whole week because they're, they're there, the wedding party Stays there, probably not the, the entire time, but they stay there while the bride and the groom are in this other room. And for lack of a better purpose statement, they're having sex the first time. And then after they have sex and when they're ready, they come out to the wedding party who's in the wedding, like the reception hall, and they come in and, and they're announced. It's like, you ever been to a Filipino wedding? If you've never been to a Filipino wedding it's like the coolest thing ever how many have you ever been to a Filipino wedding tell me this isn't awesome when you're at a Filipino wedding they start announcing people it's like hey and I was at one this is not an exaggeration the guy goes hey, and he got like all of where everybody's from and from Delano California it's Bernie Lund and his really white wife Leslie and they would walk in And everybody would cheer. And then I get out there and he's like, and weighing 275 pounds in the, you know, red tights. I don't have red tights on. I don't know who this guy was, but it was awesome. But they'll announce you at many Filipino weddings as you come in. That would often be what would happen there. And so like, and the bride and the groom who were no longer virgins are coming in. And the whole crowd would chant and cheer. Be like, that would be awkward. No, no, that's not awkward. What's awkward is when they would sit on the platform, if you will, and explain what happened. You say, I find that hard to believe. Well, I'm not the Jewish historians who told about it. If you want to argue with history, go ahead. George Washington didn't cross the Delaware either. I mean, this is what happened. Well, Song of Solomon chapter 4 Is the bridal chamber. It's the first time they're alone in their life. Matter of fact, it's the first time he's seen her anything other than her hands, her feet, and her eyes. So we're going to read his description of her and then we'll read something that she says back. You need to understand this, men. Before he ever saw her, he determined how she looked to him. Before he ever saw her, He determined how she looked to him. He didn't wait to see her to describe her. Look at verse number one. Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Historians tell us they're standing with each other alone for the first time right here. Thou hast dove's eyes within thy locks. You ever see dove and how dark and beautiful? That was a sign of sensuality there thy hair is as a flock of goats that appear from Mount Gilead. Now, listen, he's saying phrases that culturally there are very encouraging and exciting. Do not go home and say to your wife, your hair is as a flock of goats. (laughs) No, no. Your hair smells like fish. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. A goat, the, the flock of goats, is a, this is a very passionate verse. As he has undone her hair and, and removed the veil and it falls down over her shoulders, what we believe, for the first time he's ever seen it. Now, it's too poetic for him to not have thought this out. He wasn't sure exactly how it would look, but to him, it's how it would look. And I just took solace in this, that his beauty was not, or beauty to him was not dependent on a cultural ideal, but was dependent on a decision that he made. Let me say that again. Beauty was not dependent upon a cultural idea, but a decision that he made, If you follow the culture for beauty, your wife will never be beautiful because the way that they make money is to consistently change what beauty is. When I was a kid, the beautiful style of the day was a woman about seven foot three that weighed 12 pounds. Some of you remember that, like, oh man, isn't she amazing? Look at that. Wow, I want to get with that. Well, now it's a little bit different. Now it's like, wow, isn't she amazing? <laughs> you got one sexy guitar, bro. <laughs> Zach's turning red, like, oh my word. He found out. <laughs> Sorry. Verse number two thy teeth are like a flock of sheep that are even shorn and come up from the washing. Whereof everyone bear twins, and none of them is barren. None is barren among them. Okay. It's the first time he saw her mouth. Dude, he's probably talking too much. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep? They come up from the washing? Here's what he means. Your teeth are clean. They've come up from the washing. You've brushed those bad boys. (laughs) All of them bear twins. They're straight. None is barren among them. They're there. (laughs) You're not from Kentucky, baby. (laughs) Oh, I got a good one right here. You've got teeth. (laughs) We're almost home. (laughs) You know what else it means, ladies? It means she's smiling. She's into it. It's the first time he's ever seen her. She knows what's coming. Mama's prepared her. This isn't isn't a shock to her. These are conversations that are regular in their home. The rabbis preach on this. They have to talk about it because God commanded them to be fruitful and multiply. Multiply. Not in the dark of night, but in the delight of day. Your your teeth are there. Notice the next verse. Thy lips are like a thread of scarlet, and thy speech is comely. Some believe, now we don't know this for sure, but this is an arranged marriage most likely. Some believe that Solomon had never heard her speak till this moment. Now we don't know that, but there would be strong cultural um, persuasion to cause us to believe that. He didn't know this chick. They, they, they didn't hang out in and out on Friday nights sharing each other's hopes and dreams. This was arranged, and, and, and they've come together, and, or at least that's the thought that most have. And thy thread is like of scarlet. Your lips are beautiful. Your lips are red. Your speech is comely or enticing. Thy temples are like a piece of pomegranate within thy locks. Oh, what a great verse. Nobody knows what it means. The temples are like a piece of pomegranate. He's just, he's just finding every single opportunity he has to compliment her. Nothing is without a compliment. No, dudes, did you hear what I said? Nothing is without a compliment. He didn't do this. Take the veil off. Oh, I'm stuck with you. Well, at least you got teeth. (laughs) You got eyes. Doves have eyes. Your lips are red. They're like a scarlet thread. They're really thin. Well, my parents never could pick them. No, no, no. He's finding every excuse he can to compliment her. Continue. Thy neck is like the Tower of David, builded for an armory. You're a building. <sighs> You're the space needle. Yes. No, what that means is she's stately. And by the way, ladies, she's not in this being demure. She's not, oh, no. No, no, she's stately. I got to hurry. Where uh, there hang a thousand bucklers, uh, verse number four, all shields of mighty men. Um, she's put on a bunch of necklaces, she's dressed the part did you hear me? The book of Proverbs, just for some of you ladies, I want you to understand this, and men, I want you to understand this really well. The book of Proverbs says, um, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. Smell your best and look your best. Don't no woman in the world want to jump into bed with a mechanic. Baby, what is that I smell? Oh, it's 10:40. <laughs> Hold on. Pins oil? Quaker state. Bring it on. No, No. Mm-mm. You know, it is just it, she looks the part. Now, I understand you 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 do other things, but but when it's time to get together, it, it's it's and not all the time. Sometimes quickies save marriages. I get that. Um, you got little kids. You know what I'm talking about. Like, uh, he's in the bathroom. Let's go. Um, but she stretched the part. All the shields of mighty men. Uh, verse number five. Thy two breasts are like two young roes or two young deer that are twins, which feed among the lilies. Verse number five, he takes her dress off. He takes her dress off. He's involved in this. He's engaged in this. And they're two, like two young rows that are twins. Uh, guys, um, I'm not a hunter. I've been on Molokai, Hawaii, where they have like 70,000 deer. And this is what I've learned being around those little deer. They're skittish. He's saying they're beautiful, and they're feeding among the lilies, but they want to be treated very carefully. He's walking up to her. He's careful. He's he's not like some professional wrestler flying off the top rope looking to suck those things right away. He's careful. He's gentle. He's going to approach her with care. Verse number six, until the day break and the shadows flee away, I will get me to the mountain of myrrh, to the hill of frankincense. I'm going to be super candid and, and super quick with this. He's going to take all the time that she needs. Lionel Richie wasn't the first one to come up with the phrase all night long. That's what that means. Until the day break. Baby... We'll be here all night. I'm not in a rush. I'm not in a hurry. We'll go to midday until the shadows flee away. I'm gonna stay here with you. I don't have anything better to do. I don't have anywhere else to go. I'm here for you. Why? Verse number seven, thou art all fair. There is no spot in thee. Truth be told, there was a spot in her. She's part of a fallen condemned race. But men, he didn't see the spot, he saw the soul, and the purpose was not orgasm, but oneness. And so when he sees her, he desires to be connected to her, not to measure her against the rest of the world. Come with me from Lebanon, verse number eight, my spouse, with me from Lebanon. Look from the top of Amana, from the top of Shire and Hermon, from the lion's den and the mountains of the leopards. Here's what he's saying. I'm going to take you to some amazing places sexually, and I'm going to take you to some amazing places physically. It would do some of you dudes really well to get rid of every subscription Uh, thing you have to sell all of your stupid video games and take your wife on some getaways every once in a while. Like, hey, baby, let's go to, I don't know, pick a city. Let's go to Seattle. And uh, I got this really great hotel there. It's at the top of wherever, and we are going to make love like mad. Well, don't you want to see stuff? Yes, I do. (laughs) I want to see you. That's what he's saying. Come with me from Lebanon. Thou hast, verse number nine, thou hast ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. Thou hast ravished my heart with one of thine eyes, with one chain of thy neck. How fair is thy love, my sister, my spouse. How much better is thy love than wine and the smell of thine ointments than all spices. I'm not trying to be graphic, just biblical. He's talking about the smell of a woman's sexuality. Oh, you talk about that here? Oh, yeah, we talk about that here. There's a smell of sex, and to him it's beautiful. Verse number 11, Thy lips, O my spouse, drop as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under thy tongue. (laughs) How did he know honey and milk were under her tongue? His tongue was in her mouth. The country of France did not happened until the treaty of verdun in 843 a.d song of solomon was written about 1000 b.c a biblical kiss predates a french kiss by 2000 years i'm surprised at the number of couples who don't make out on a regular basis When you were dating, we had to fight to keep you from it. Now that you're married, you're like high-fiving each other on the other side of the room. (laughs) This is God's design. Honey and milk are under thy tongue. Folks, he's not being hyperbolic. This is what he's saying. Some of you men in the room need to learn how to make out with your wife. Some of you ladies need to let them. Well, he wants to make out on the OB pier. Dude, that is not the strangest thing to happen on the OB pier. <laughs> if you're not from here, it's one of our piers in a weird part of town. That's not the strangest thing to happen there. Well, we were on the beach the other day and he tried to feel me up. Thank God for that. <laughs> Put it in your journal. You say, well, what if we get arrested? I'm a chap. But they're not arresting you for that. I can tell you what you get arrested for. That's not it. What if somebody sees? Try to mitigate that, but worry less about what somebody sees and what it does to each other. I'm not for voyeurism or any nonsense like that, but him, you smacking him on the rear in public, probably not the worst thing to happen in your community. I just gave him a little love tap, Pastor, and it cost a big fight. What, what do you think I should have done? Should I not touch him in public? You married the wrong dude. I know. What do I do now? Pray for his quick death. <laughs> don't. Don't. Totally teasing. Don't do that. <laughs> I didn't memorize that joke well. It'll come out better next time with different words and a different ending. Um, <laughs> verse number 15, and I'm done. A fountain of gardens, a well of living waters, and streams from... Le- ah, sheesh, I've got to start back up where it, context. <clears throat> Thy plants are an orchid... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I can read. An orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruit, sapphire uh, with spikenard, spikenard with saffron, calamus, and cinnamon all the trees of frankincense, myrrh, and aloes with all the chief spices, a, fountains of gar- a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters, and streams from Lebanon. Awake, O north wind. This is the first time she talks. Awake, O north wind. Come thou south. A north wind was strong. A south was gentle and warm. Blow upon my garden. Just to help you get what the text means, when she says garden, she's not talking about a place where she planted pumpkins. It can't mean that. It does. That's what it means. Are you saying that the Bible's talking about oral sex? Yeah. I I would be unfaithful to the text if I didn't tell you what that meant. In a culture that is as perverse as it could possibly be, this is not a perverse act. This is a God-designed act. It's in chapter 3 somewhere, and I don't have time to look it up. Um, He brought me to his banqueting table. His banner over me is love. Growing up, we used to sing that song, his banner over me is love. Dude, that is a verse about Oral sex, wife to the husband. We are never singing that to our children. (laughs) And you legalistic pervs that sing that to your kids, you ought to be in jail. (laughs) But I wear a tie and public. You sing perv songs to your kids. (laughs) We can't mean that. You need to study the Bible. Not what some dude said about the Bible, but the Bible That's literally what this lady is saying in verse number 16. Blow upon my garden. Well, why'd she say that? Would you look that the spices may flow out? Here's what just happened to every woman in the room. Please don't say what that means. I think I already know. (laughs) You know. Let my beloved come into his garden. Do I really have to read the last line? (laughs) And eat his... (laughs) I'm almost embarrassed. Not really. I'm not embarrassed at all. And eat his pleasant fruits. This is for your beloved. And you're for him. She said to me like, "Oh, that's just so, so, so bad." I, I don't think I could ever agree with that. That's what it means. Okay, Solomon wrote another book of the Bible. Go to Proverbs five, and we're done. Proverbs five, please. By the way, we're going to give Brother Darrell all the time in the world that he wants, and then we'll do the Q and A. So you're going to be here longer because this is well worth more than the seventy bucks you paid or thirty bucks you paid for this. So we're just going to we're going to go into overtime. We might go into double overtime. I'd rather go into overtime with this many people than have to counsel this many people because it'll be months before you got to us. Proverbs chapter 5, verse number 15. It's one of my memory verses. Drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. Here's what that verse means. Have sex only with your spouse. Think only about your spouse. All your sexual satisfaction comes from your spouse. Defraud you not the one or the other except it be with consent for time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer. Blow upon my garden that the you know um, all of that. Verse number sixteen, Proverbs five: Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad as rivers of water in the street. Here's what that means: that there should be variety in sex. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad. There's more to life than being a missionary. Okay, for those you who are like, what does he mean by that? I'm not even a missionary. <laughs> Ask pastor, I'm not, what does that mean? More to life than being a missionary. Like 90% of people in churches have sex with him on top and she on the bottom. Like, okay, we're going to, no, no. Let me tell you, in your marriage bed, you could do whatever you want, however you want with one person, your spouse. You're a perv, and I pray that everything on your body falls off in a painful way. If you ever invite anybody to watch, you ever show that, you ever talk to somebody about that, your sexual performance is not something that needs to be talked about outside of maybe some counseling with your friends, with your neighbors, listen to me, or your mama. She doesn't need to know that you got it on and had four orgasms last night. That's not mama's mindset. Your mom just doesn't need to know. Your dad doesn't need to know. Your pastor doesn't want to. No, keep it as Michael Jackson said, in the closet." <laughs> so like Michael Jackson said that uh, he did. But your marriage bed is an amusement park of pleasure. Now, let me be clear: you can't violate your spouse's conscience. If she's uncomfortable or he's uncomfortable with something, then you don't do it. It doesn't mean you don't discuss it later. It means you don't do it. Because the point of this is oneness. The point of this is not distance. Well, I'm going to force my way on her. No, you're a jerk, and you need to stop it and be loving and kind and gracious. What Solomon is saying, though, is that there is freedom if you both choose to express that. And there have been times in our marriage that I've wanted to do stuff that Debbie didn't want to do, and Debbie wanted to do stuff that I didn't want to do, and we had to talk about it. And we're, there's way fewer times, that you know... Um, But it's happened, and we talk about it, and we work about it, and it goes days, weeks, months, sometimes even years until we go to a place of comfort or a place of just killing the idea. So you can't abuse your spouse, and if anybody goes home and says, well, he said that we're supposed to let our rivers be dispersed abroad, as rivers in the street, do what I want. No, you're a jerk, and you're 100% wrong. Verse 17, let them be only thine own, not a stranger is with thee. In a polyamoristic world in which we live, you have absolutely no right to even see another person, much less touch them. Let thy fountains be blessed. You say, what is a fountain? We're married here, do we not get it? A man gets excited, and then a fountain. <laughs> so I still don't get it, Okay. Talk to your pastor. Yeah. If you're from Canyon Ridge, see John. <laughs> <laughs> let thy fountains be blessed. And let notice this, rejoice with the wife of thy youth. She's not always going to be youthful, but she's the wife of your youth. Let her be as a loving hind. <laughs> I just love that phrase. I don't know why. It just sounds so funny. Debbie, you're a loving hind. <laughs> In a pleasant row. But here's what I get. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. The word ravished means captivated or intoxicated with her sex. Intoxicated with her sex. There's a reason I don't want to look at porn because I'm intoxicated by the woman God gave me. I don't have to look at that because that's, that's cheap and tawdry and, and weak and, and, I'm, I, and I ought to feel bad about myself because it's a sin and I've got everything I could ever want right here. And I don't even have to, I even have to beg. I'm not too proud to beg, but I don't have to beg. <laughs> for the ways of men are before the eyes of the Lord. He pondereth all his goings. So I gotta be done. I, I love you. I'm praying for you. We're here to help you. Thank you for listening. Find more messages every week at CanyonRidgeBaptist.com. If you're in the San Diego area, join us for a service. We meet at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 5 p.m.